Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guide, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I am here with MK Feeney. Now, MK uh, came to me, I was, must have been a few years ago, three, four years ago, a while ago now, and uh, to do McMaster's is, uh, sort of the community that I had uh, back then, which was all about email marketing and email copywriting. And anyway, she's just gone on to do some really, really amazing things. I think she's got a fascinating story. And the reason for that is that she, uh, instead of going down a launch route and sort of the, the classical internet marketing and copywriting road, she... Uh, she's been involved with the political world and the education world, and using uh, her copywriting skills and marketing skills to actually, uh, to, to actually, you know, sort of, it's not as glamorous, but uh, to actually maybe help people more. You know, I don't know, depending on how you look at it. And um, so, just a really interesting story, and I thought it would be fun to to get her on the show and uh, learn a bit more about what she's done. And uh, I've got some got some numbers here. I thought it'd be cool to uh, read out some of these numbers that uh, she mentioned in email. So one particular school, uh, she mentioned that she'd raised $15,000 in 25 days uh, and they've seen an increase in school applications and enrollment. And um, so we're not talking about million dollar launches here, but I think this is really cool to be able to use these skills. It's a really good example of how you can use these skills for, um, uh, you know, for not just making as, you know, making millions and millions of dollars. Uh, they've had an increase in donations and it uh, looks like the last Giving Tuesday, they raised $17,000 in 24 hours. And all of this is due to email marketing and social media. Oh, there's lots of stuff here. You know, I think um, if I just keep rattling it off, it might get a little bit monotonous. So I'm going to wrap it up there and say hello, MK. How are you? Hello. I'm well. How are you? Fantastic. It's great to have you on the, uh, on the show. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm honored to be on. I've been a long-time listener, so this is... Uh... This is a great moment. <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. So, before we uh, before we sort of go back into the story, is there anything else you want to mention? Like, what like what, what's some of the best things that's going on right now? And we'll use that to set the stage before we sort of roll back into the past. Uh, what's going on right now? Well, I mean, um, I'm still I'm kind of in that mode of what's next, uh, dealing with uh, different schools and different political things. But um, we had very I had a successful election last year. I also had an unsuccessful election, but that's okay. Um, we really pushed the boundaries in our local community about social media and email marketing. And uh, the school that I do work with, we did get that 17 grand um, in one day, which is a huge thing for them. Uh, so it's kind of just just pushing the boundaries of where email marketing and social media, where it works and where it doesn't work in these fields, which for a lot of people, they don't, it's never something that's on the forefront of people's minds. Like, oh, well, I guess there could be huge benefits for, you know, schools at least uh, using these tactics. So it's, it's always experimenting. And especially, you know, with Facebook changing their algorithms every five seconds, um, it, it's, finding what are the other tools that we can use. And email has been uh, a key thing for a lot of these initiatives. Mm, it's really cool because I've, uh, I've been speaking to a lot of people lately about uh, how to get clients because I've mm -hmm. been doing a lot of webinars and everyone's getting on there saying, well, how do I get clients? You know, I don't, why would anyone even pay for email? You know, it's, it's, um, especially when you're, getting, you're new to the game, people think, why would anyone pay for some? And this is what I thought back when I was getting started. Why would anyone pay, pay money for this? And, um, you know, and then the next step is, well, businesses will pay for it. But, you know, what about, 
schools or what about uh, you know in your case like the schools and political campaigns and things like that and so i think it's just a great it's actually really inspiring it's interesting for me to see as well that you can take this stuff and really use it for anything yeah it, it, it's true and i'm finding with especially with fundraising uh for schools email marketing is far more successful than on facebook um i know just from experimenting um, that if I make a post, say, on Facebook about, hey, we're trying to raise, you know, X amount of money for such and such, not everyone's going to see it. And it might die a very slow and painful death, um, even if you keep plugging it. But if you do it through email and you plan out your emails and what your stories are, you're going to see far more return because you're right in their email box. You're going to see a bigger return that way than you are through social media. That's what I've seen to date. Right. That's fascinating. That's so cool. Fascinating and also not, not that surprising as well, knowing Mm-mm. what we know about email, right? So cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, step back a bit. I'd love to know a bit more because we, we haven't really spoken that much. We've had, you know, had a few emails back and forth and you know, there was the community in the forum back then. But I'm mm-hmm. curious to know a bit more about before all of this, before you, you sort of you know, found Copy Hour and then did McMaster's and, and some of these courses, what was going on? Were you, were you, were you, did you have any sort of marketing background? Like were you, did you have a job? Like what? Where were you at before all of this? I did have a job. Um, after I graduated from university uh, in 2005, um, I began working for the, the then Massachusetts governor, Mitt Romney. Uh, and I worked in his um, constituent services office as a writer. So basically I wrote like greeting letters and other um, ceremonial documents, like proclamations that would declare um, breast cancer awareness month and stuff like that. Uh, I was kept on uh, and for the next governor, um, which was Governor Deval Patrick. And I spent a majority of my career, uh, political career with him, in which I continued being writing um, and I did some constituent casework. Um, and from there, um, about 2008, he got on Twitter, which if you think back on 2008, Twitter was like the wild, totally the wild west at that time. He was one of the first politicians to get on. And I started to monitor it from like a constituent perspective. So if someone had a problem with, you know, healthcare or something, and then I could handle that. I eventually became his director of online media. And uh, basically, as I like to joke, I played him on the internet. Um, I was the person who tweeted as him. I would monitor it. Um, I managed his website and just kept everything in his online world uh, on message and again, pushing those boundaries of what is appropriate for a politician uh, on uh, the internet. And by the time I left, um, he was the, I believe, the fifth most popular uh, governor on Twitter. And and that's behind other big politicians like Arnold Schwarzenegger or, um, and then it ended up being Jerry Brown, um, Chris Christie, like all these ones that we know nationally. So I thought that was pretty good that uh, my guy from Massachusetts was up in the top 10. That's amazing. So that's what I was doing. Interesting. Okay. So, so, so basically doing writing. So still, you know, background is very creative by the sound of it. You've been doing writing for a while. Yes. Where, I mean, like, how did you get from that to, to discovering copywriting? Like, where did that transition happen? Well, it happened when I was in the governor's office because I'm trying to remember when Copy Hour began, but I was in the first round. Um, and there was, I have always been attracted to writing a majority, you know, as I said, majority of my career has been writing based. Um, when I was in university, I was editor in chief of the campus newspaper. So that was not, this is not a big jump, but I knew 
that I needed to work on writing for in the online space. Um, and what attracted me to Copy Hour was learning the tricks and the how to write better headlines and lead lines because I knew, um, especially from Twitter, when you only have 140 characters, how can I say the most in the short in the brief space that I have? Um, and that's what attracted me to it was just learning these different tick and techniques and tricks and um, how to outline sales pages because there is an element of and people don't think of it but you are selling things uh, in politics in whether it's an idea a policy a person and copy is very important to all of that right right and so I'm, I'm curious one thing that came out maybe maybe it wasn't really an issue like a lot of people you know, become interested in copywriting because of the, the potential freedom they can have, you know, like the, the classic cliche of the, you know, going to a little cubicle in a dreary gray yep. office with halogen lights and all that sort of stuff. Like yep. that's a, that's a real thing for you. Was that part of your experience or were you just, yes, it was. Okay. So that was the, yeah, that was the other thing. I, I mean, at this, at the point, at the end of my government career, um, I was having other people come up to me asking for help or, you know, different things on the side. And so I thought, I did want to leave, embark on my own, um, start my own agency. Uh, so that was very much uh, part of what I was looking for. It was a twofold thing. One, I wanted to make my job easier and, and learn, you know, and work on my writing because I'm constantly learning, constantly trying to figure out what are the trends. And then the second one was I knew eventually I was going to go off on my own and I saw that this was a good way to get there. Right, okay. So you kind of said it was a bit premeditated in the sense that, you know, you mm -hmm. had that goal, had that feeling of where you wanted to go. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it, it's interesting you mentioned Copy Hour because I think Copy Hour came, uh, it was 2012 when I was in a, a four-person mastermind with Derek. Derek's the guy who set okay. it up, right? And um, mm -hmm. that was, we were, all, we were all sort of working on like a little business type of thing. This is before I'd even started copywriting. Because that was partly what got me into it. This little four-person mastermind and Derek came out with this idea you found from Gary Halbert of handwriting sales letters and so we did a mm -hmm. bit together and then at the end he said oh i'm going to set up this thing i'm going to call a copy hour i think and you know i'll put it up online and we can get you know or we'll get some people in there and we'll see what happens and so that was the first it would have been around june or july or i don't know somewhere like mid to uh, 2012 when he would have put that out there yeah. for the first time so you were in there on the first run i was there in the first round and uh i would you know before i'd go to work i'd try to get some of it done or i would sit in my office like during my lunch break and just write um just endless amounts of coffee at coffee uh, copy um <laughs> in coffee too um just to just to learn it just every single day just sitting there and, and writing it and in fact um the copy hour is still going on and um, Derek has opened it up to like the people who've done it before. So I'm doing it again. I haven't done it in years. So it's kind of fun to just sit down for your 30, you know, your two blocks of 33 minutes writing out copy and just remembering things or looking, looking at things differently. It's, it's, if anyone wants to learn copy is, is people might be like, wait a minute, you're just sitting here copying out, something that someone's already else written yes right but you learn so much um even for someone who's been doing this for a while i'm still learning right well i think you you kind of forget things too like i haven't actually done it in a while but um, i know that if I, you know if i sat down to do it it's like even after you've been writing copy for two three four i don't know maybe 10 or 20 years as well like it's 
mm. something that you kind of remember some stuff, you develop your own style and you get some things. Then there's other little things that just fall through the cracks. You know, so yep. if you go and do it again, it you know brings it all back. But totally, I've you know, whenever someone says, "How do I learn copy?" You know, I don't know what to do. I, you know, I need to spend any money. It's like, well, not really. You need to work hard. But if you can mm-hmm. do that, you, you don't really need much at all to actually start learning. No, you don't, and and you can really find anything on the, the like. There are sites that have these letters on them, or if there's somebody who you really like their their work, you could sit down and, and copy it. And there are a few books um, to read. Uh, I think it's important to learn about persuasion uh, and influence, which are two books to read um, that are important. But uh, it's not the barrier of getting into this world is not really that high. Anyone can learn it. You just have to put in the work like anything. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you're in the first one, and because uh, I think that was when I started copywriting as well, McMaster's really didn't probably come together for another year or two. So what happened between mm-hmm. copy hour? Like, what did you, you know, when did you quit your job? You know, at th- that stage, had you even quit? Like, what happened? No, I hadn't quit. Um, I left the governor's office in, let me try to remember here, in February of 2013. And I went to go work for the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Uh, but I had left government by December 2013. I didn't stay there long because I was ready to go off and do my own thing. Um, so I officially started uh, Dockside Media, which is the company I have today, in Febu- February 2014. Uh, okay. Okay. So you quit your job, and that was that was when you were officially freelance, or? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was. Yes, I had already actually started working for the school that I work for today, which is actually my former high school. Um, I had already started working for them um, and then started picking up some other projects as well. Okay. okay. So right out of the gate, I was busy. Right. Interesting. All right, we'll come back to that, actually, that, that whole okay. clients. I'm curious, where did, and then, because so after that, you mentioned um, you did end up inside McMaster's, which was, uh, which was it sort of started as a sort of four-week email copywriting masterclass, I suppose you'd call it, and then yep. turn that into a community, uh, you know, membership community. There was a few other bonuses and, you know, we could, you know, it was a forum where you could talk about stuff. Like, where did that fit into the picture mm-hmm. for you? Was that sometime that year? Uh, probably, yeah, because I feel like I was early on that one too. I wanted to learn more about email because um, what was the structure? What was different? How can I use that? Because um, I could see that that was, I wasn't really doing much email marketing until I'd say within the last couple of years after McMaster's because I didn't know how it was different, right? So then once I went through McMaster's and about storytelling, that kind of opened up a whole new thought process for me though too Um, because so much of what I do or what I tell clients, it's, it's a story. What is your story? Right. And so if you you could do that in different ways through email. Um, and so that's what I learned through McMaster's. And that was what I was hoping to get out of it. What was what was I missing? And uh, email was it. Right. And that's a really amazing thing, too, is is I think back, you know, back when I was getting started, you think it's just I oh, just write anything. You know, you can just, mm. you know, if you write enough like fancy bullets and headlines, you know, you can sell anything. Uh, but then you realize, like you said, like stories it, and, and it's really subtle, like it's not this idea of like stories being the way to sell stuff it doesn't mean you say once upon a time you know so and so happened to to so and so it can be as simple as saying like 
you know, you want to sell a car, you could talk about, oh, it's got a, you know, 300 horsepower engine and leather seats and, you know, AC and a nice stereo, like these sort of facts about what the car is or, or a really quick story will be like, hey, did you know Brad Pitt drove this car to his wedding or something? Like one sentence would, uh, would convey a whole picture or a whole, basically a mini story that's going to, that someone's going to imagine in their head when you tell them that. Right. It, one of the favorite emails that I have written um, was for the school that I work for and where I went. And we were doing for Giving Tuesday. And for anyone who know, doesn't know what Giving Tuesday is, but it's the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving here in America, um, after Black Friday and Cyber Monday, it's a way to give to charities. Uh, and we've been doing this for probably three years now. Um, one of the years um, I wrote this email about my father's favorite story from my time in high school. Now, this high school is an all-girls school just outside of Boston. Um, and uh, we have this thing where, you know, we're teaching young women to be confident, competent um, young women. And so I wrote this story about um, Friday was pizza day. Uh, so we would order, we order pizza from a local shop and have it brought in on Friday for pizza. And when I was a student, the lines used to be so long to get your piece, you know, to buy your pizza. And a friend of mine was like, well, what if we pool our money together and I just go up, I'll buy a whole pie and bring it back. So it showed initiative and um, all of that. So I wrote that as an email as a way to like, if you give your money, this is what it's going towards. You know, young women who can think ahead, work together blah, 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 blah. The amount of people who I got an email back from being like, oh my God, I remember that. Yes. Like this was our experience. And then they would give money was perfect. And and that's what I talk about with, with story, um, with telling stories. It's like, what does your audience remember? What can, what is the emotional piece that you could tap into? That's then going to give them the the reason to fork over their money to whatever it is, uh, to a school, to your nonprofit, you've got to touch them emotionally. Otherwise, there's no reason for them to give. Right, right. Interesting, interesting. I like that story. That's good. That's good. What are some of the other stories you've used to sell stuff, or to basically like sell stuff, or persuade people to do stuff with the school or with the um, political? Um, well, so like with the school, like you talk about um, a beloved teacher. You know, we had a, it's a Catholic school, so we had a sister, a nun who used to teach Latin. So anytime you um, bring her up, she's no longer with us. Um, people then remember, oh, I remember what that class was like. Oh, that's right. You know, oh, I should really, if I give, then other girls get to have the same opportunity that I had. So if you talk about teachers or um, certain traditions or experiences, something that especially with a school that an alum remembers that will bring memories back and that will cause them to help them out because they think of the people who came before them who gave money or supported the school in some sort of way and they're continuing that legacy so if you talk about legacy a lot people also get into that um for political stuff stories that we've used um, so one of the big campaigns I was just recently involved in was changing the structure of our government. Now this is this I won't get too much into the weeds about this, but <laughs> the town that I <laughs> because it can get a little complicated. But the town that I lived in uh, was a town form of government. We wanted to change it to a city form of government, and people and it's so wonky 
how can I get anyone interested in this? Hmm. Well, the stories that you tell, well, if we switch this form of government, your taxes may not go up as much. Um, we can give more money for schools. So if you talk about the kids and how this will benefit them in the future or um, environmental causes, well, we'd have more money or someone who can be dedicated to making sure that we are keeping our parks safe or cleaning up contaminated sites. Again, it's what is the person who's reading it? What is their emotional connection? What do they care about? And so if you spell it out in like in those ways, taking very wonky subjects such as the structure of government can make it more accessible and digestible for them to understand and hopefully to motivate them to make that change. Right. This is actually an issue I've seen with a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people, you might find this too, and they ask you for, you know, feedback on their website or feedback <laughs> on their funnel, especially when people are like sort of more technical, they might be engineers or something. They think they're explaining something in a really simple way. And, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's either incredibly vague, so, you know, you just got no idea what they're talking about. It doesn't mean anything. It's just words that are like pure fluff. Or right. it's so complicated that, that it's just like, I don't, I don't, like, it sounds good, but I don't get it. You know, it's just like cool, but it, like, it doesn't connect for me, you know? Uh, right. So it's, yeah, uh, and that's why I, that's why when I sit down to write or when I'm talking to people, I, I try to say, who is it that you're writing to? Like, who is the one person that you're trying to explain whatever it is to? Um, and, and write towards them. Write to them. How is it easy for them to understand? Not for you, but for them. Um, and I find that that takes down, that makes it easier because it's like having a conversation. Right, right, because you're actually talking with them. Right. right okay. So, I mean, it is part of that whole avatar you know, saying like, who is your target audience and you should be writing to them. But for regular people, you just, you do want to just say like, don't get into the marketing speak. I hate marketing speak. Um, but just say, who is that person? Name that person, write to them. Mm, that's good. That's good. So where, I mean, where did it go next? So you did, make, you did copy out, you did, you did McMaster's and, and got the, the storytelling stuff down pat. That was when you mentioned, I think, um, with uh, McMaster's, that was where you did the 15K in 25 days with the school. Well, I'm curious, yep. what was that campaign? Was that like, you know, two or three or five emails over 25 days? How, like, how do you make 15 grand? Is that just donations? How does it work? It was all donations, um, and it was there were different elements to it. It was mostly email, but we did have a direct mail piece um, that was at the beginning of the campaign, and, um, and then we had some social media pieces, but it was mostly driven by email, and that would be the first email kicking off about, I believe that's the one where we talked about where we are today and talking about the sister um, who was the teacher and why you should give. And here's our challenge. We we're looking for, I think we we're looking for 125 donors in 25 days. Um, and we just so happened then 125 donors equaled $15,000. And at that time, we had never raised anywhere close to that in that short amount of time. Um, so it would be like, I think we would email twice a week, which is not every day because we weren't sure. It was a very cold audience. Um, so emailing every day was probably not going to work. So about twice a week, we would have a little story about what was going on in the school. And then the follow-up email would be like, oh, okay. So we've reached 
15 donors this week and we've earned this much. So it would keep a tally so people could follow along. That's good. It's really cool to see. Yeah, it is really interesting to see how you've taken, you know, some of the stuff from Copy Hour and McMaster's as well, and then and then taking it and applied it to uh, to schools. It's, it's I think it's mm. really exciting to see. So what I mean, what happened? Uh, you know, the next that was that was 2014. I think right. We're talking now. It's 2018. So what's happened? I mean, what's happened since then? Has it has it just been school, 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 or or like like what what have you spent the last four years doing? Just doing more. Yeah. So. More of this. Um, so I've been having the schools. I had three campaigns that I was involved in, um, and working with um, a couple of. I have worked with a couple of small businesses, like friends of mine. Nothing, nothing big. Um, right now, I'm involved with um, doing some more local things for uh, the business association, working on their website and copy copy on their site and where they want to go and tell their story. Um, so I'm, I'm involved with that and just a couple of other local things that I'm currently in the process of like signing contracts for and, and stuff like that. But it's more of just continuing of working with these nonprofits and organizations who need the help um, and, and who need to tell their story better. I think that they are because they're not, I think some, nonprofits are stuck on the technical aspects of it. And if they break down to that, you have to just tell your story. I think everyone understands the basics of storytelling mm. and that's all it is. It's the technology is just the medium and you know, you yeah. can get there, yeah. but if you don't have the story and if you haven't figured out who you are um, and what you're trying to achieve and um, telling that, then it doesn't matter if you've got a Facebook page, uh, an email list, Twitter account because it won't be effective. Right, absolutely, I love it. And so, and so now you've bundled that into, or well, that's, that's sort of all become Dockside Media, which you mentioned. Yes. this is what you're focusing on this year, growing. And um, you said you're expanding your consulting. It sounds like you're planning on taking on some employees, so getting a lot busier. I hope so. Yes, yeah, I am getting busier, and it's um, we're reaching the point where I can't just be a one-woman shop, mm. which is really exciting because um, I think you know uh, these groups are learning that they the world is changing and it's moving fast, and that they you know have to keep up. And it's true. I mean, there are some phenomenal nonprofits doing some really great work online, um, like Charity Water is one that I love to talk about because they are great. Pencils uh, of Promise, like they are great and they're doing a great job online. And so I think even local little nonprofits who are just as important can take a page out of their book too. Interesting. Okay. So on that note, this note of being busy, I'm curious the number one question I get in emails on the webinars I'm doing is uh, is how to get clients, and so especially mm. for something like this, like it's I mean it's hard enough getting any client at all, especially in the beginning, or that's what it feels like. It feels very difficult. How does yeah. someone? How do you go about getting a school client? It's like did did this start with the you know you started with you mentioned the high school that you went to uh, as a girl? Like is that that it's all been referrals since then? How are you getting all these clients? It's been referrals, to be honest. Um, the school stuff has just been. If they've seen what I've done with the school that I do most of my work, uh, most of the school work for, they've seen that. They've had me in. Um, I would do maybe one-off consults with them. And then it's just mostly word of mouth. Um, the political stuff was I literally just showed up one day to one of their meetings. They had a public meeting. And um, I introduced myself and I said who I was. I gave them my business card and 
you know, <laughs> three years later, I've done three elections for them and, um, and we've had success. Um, so it's just like, it's showing up, it's talking, it's networking, but it's been mostly referrals. So like through the political work, I met all sorts of people who wanted services. Um, and, and that's what it is. It's just really, I haven't cold emailed anyone, um, which at some point I may have to, but it's been mostly referrals. It's really, and the, I guess the work speaks for itself. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like it does. You're doing a great job. Um, and I mean, it's it's funny too. If it's all referrals, you've probably got so many uh, case studies now and examples that you know. If you wanted to throw up, you know, a case study package or some mm-hmm. sort of ad campaign with, oh, here's here's what I did for three schools. Here's the money we raised. Just don't give me a call if you want the same thing. Like it's a very easy absolutely pitch now. So it's, I mean, it's kind of interesting. What what would, what would be your advice now that you've sort of been doing this for for four or five years now? What would you tell like say to someone who's like, look. I don't really have any experience out. I'm basically like you were, but five years ago, uh, no copywriting experience yet. How do I get started? How do I get into this industry? How do I become like you and write write emails or write copy and have that life? I wouldn't be shy. Um, I mean, while I did have clients out of the gate when I left my job, there was a period of time where I really didn't um, at the same time, and I was afraid to tell people or I was like a little ashamed of what I did. I don't, I don't know why. Um, but if you want this life and if you want to have work and if you want to, um, be in this industry, you can't be shy about it. You, if people ask what you do, you tell them what you do. Um, and you show how you can help them. I, I know it's easier said than done. Um, and I'm not necessarily perfect at this, but, um, getting out there and talking to people and um, is, is really one of the best ways to do it. I mean, you can hide behind your computer all you want, but you're not going to get the success that you would have face-to-face. Right, right. I mean, my go-to point of advice for people who, who are like just getting started is like go, go meet people in person. Go to, go to a yeah. co-working space conference. Like it's just – it's 100 times easier if you go in person and shake someone's hand and look them in the eye. You can – you can get clients in line online. I get a lot of clients online now with you know with mm-hmm. podcasts and things like that. You can do guest posts, but um, it's always hard, especially in the beginning when you've never had a sales call. You don't know what the pitch is. You don't even understand right. who you're talking to or how it even works yet. The best thing you can yep. do is just go meet a bunch of people and have some conversations and see where it leads. Right. Absolutely. I mean, when I showed up to this local um, uh, political group three years ago, I didn't expect. Um, anything really. I didn't, I, I didn't know. I, I was watching them for a couple of months. and I was like, wow, their online stuff really is not good, but I didn't expect to be in the position that I am in today, but I wouldn't be in this position if I didn't go up to them and say, hi, I'm MK Feeney and give them, you know, and talk to them about what they were looking for and how I could help them. Yeah. Absolutely. And one last thing, uh, and then we mm-hmm. can wrap it up. I was wondering, um, since you've kind of taken a different path, you know, you're doing sort of more of the nonprofit, the schools, all that sort of stuff. I'm curious if you've, you know, maybe there's like a piece of advice that 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 you feel no one talks about, but that's actually really important, or maybe there's something that you actually hate about this whole internet marketing industry that no one talks about. Something like that. I'm curious if there's anything that you think about that no one really mentions on podcasts and courses and books, whatever, that you've found to be true or not true. Just something surprising about this whole world. Hmm. 
Oh man, that's that's a good question. Um, I, I do find it um, uh, a little frustrating. There's two things that I find a little frustrating that not everyone operates this way. Is I don't like marketing speak. I find that that we can make we like to make things inaccessible for people or inaccessible for people by by being shrouded in marketing speak of you know um, avatars and all that. <clears throat> we have to just be. We have to talk like regular people so that people can understand and, you know, if they need that, that, excuse me, that they could seek out our help and our services and that we are partners for them. I look at myself as a partner of all my clients. I am just as interested in their success as they are. There's that. And two, there's actually, I find that in the internet marketing world, you don't see as many women um, who make it to the forefront who are really talking about themselves and what they do, but we're out there. And I just would encourage other women to go out there and say, Hey, I, this is what I do. It's not just all guys, no offense, John. Um, <laughs> but, but we are there. Um, I find that it is uh, kind of a, it could be a little bit of a bro-ish um, <laughs> uh, field. Yeah, no, you know, but, but we are there and I would just encourage women to speak out more and to share uh, their successes because we're having them. That's great. I was going to ask you about that actually. I just wrote that down. This, you know, also on the webinars I'm running lately, every now and then there's, you know, the woman gets on there and she's like, where are all the good, you know, I'll share a few case studies or success stories. And they're usually guys yep. just because I've got more guys emailing me and stuff like that. And um, I'm always like, I, you know, I wish there was more women, but they're, they're, they're harder to find. They're out there, like you said, but uh, maybe, right. maybe they I keep to themselves or, or what? I don't know. Well, I think, you know, when I said earlier, like, you can't be shy. I think that, I think I'm mostly speaking to my, uh, you know, fellow women out there, but like, you can't be shy. If you want to get ahead in this industry, and if you want to actually have work, you have to be out there. And and I think, you know, I don't know if this is my, you know, call to arms to women, but like, um, ladies, let's, let's show up. Let's, you know, I, I would love to meet more of you so we could band together. Me too. I, I want to tell more stories like this so I can yeah. be like, there's, there's more women out there. <laughs> yes. Come on. <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay, well, let's wrap it up. Uh, before we go, though, if people want to learn more about you, I know you've got uh, Dockside Media. What's the uh, you know best way for people to get in touch with you, all the women out there, if they're inspired, if they want to reach out? <laughs> uh, yeah, they can email me at mk at docksidemedia.co. Um, or they can find me on Twitter at mkfeeny. Um, and or Instagram on MK Feeney as well. That's where I am. Awesome. And you said so. You're putting together a website. Is that going to be ready pretty soon? Or I certainly hope so. That's um, the rest of today's project. Okay. So <laughs> maybe go to DarkSideMedia.co and maybe a website there. Otherwise, do the email or the Twitters yeah, or the Instagrams. Cool. All mm-hmm. right. I'll have links to all this in the show notes at the bottom uh, on themcmethod.com. Otherwise, thank you for coming on the show, MK. It's been really good meeting you finally oh, it's, and it's uh, been hearing a, yes. your story. Yes, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.